just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. Great to have you today. And you know, one of the callings for a Christian uh, is to share. Uh, we, we don't take this light and hide it under a bushel. We, we let people know. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable. Sometimes we can think we're not equipped to do it. Uh, and we may not be. That's, we'll deal with that. <laughs> sometimes we don't want to be that guy over there that's doing it the wrong way way and so we have to kind of get past these things because there is a a right way to share our faith there is a good and effective way to share our faith and when we realize that obedience is our part and the outcome is the lord's uh it takes some of the pressure off of us so we're going to talk about evangelism today and i'm excited to do that because i think that equipping uh the saints is an important calling and very much of you know my interest in doing these interviews, and I'm glad to have you here today. I'm also glad to have my guest, Sean McGeever. Uh, he works with Young Life a bunch. Uh, he's an adjunct professor, or, or he's an adjunct faculty. I don't know what the difference is, but he teaches <laughs> at Grand Canyon U- University, uh, and uh, he has a book called Evangelism for the Care of Souls. It's available right now. If you want a little something in your hands to uh, kind of remind you, go over a few times. This is a great resource, uh, and we're going to talk about that today. So, again, great to have you here. Sean, great to have you back on Life Today Live. Yeah, I appreciate it, Randy. Uh, I love being here. Thanks for having me back. So, I, I'm, I'm curious with the Young Life angle, um, what you see in, one, your experience, but also sort of the attitudes of, of young people, young Christians, when it comes to this topic of evangelism? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you asked that today. Uh, <laughs> last night we had our camp reunion party. As we've done. I've been doing Young Life for over 20 years, going on 30. We were at camp last week. You know, kids I got to know over the course of some of them, several years finally, you know, got, got a week away with them. No cell phones, um, relaxing time, all that. Uh, got to have gospel conversations with all of them, many of them, personally, one-on-one that we brought and had a, you know, had a follow-up last night, you know, pizza, sport, you know, <laughs> basketball, all that, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, uh, the Lord made them, the Lord loved them, loves them, has been whispering in their ears the whole, whole time. You know, as a youth minister, I've been able to uh, step into a short-term chapter of their lives and hopefully make clear um you know, who made them, who loves them, who died for their sins, et cetera. Um, I might be with them for, you know, just a, a week if we, I only see them at camp or, you know, whatever, or maybe a couple of years or maybe even longer. Um, but uh, the Lord is faithful and the Lord works in the lives of every person. Um, and it's if they respond or not. And hopefully as, as Christians, we get to go out and tell them the good news that Jesus is Lord. No one else is. Um, and so while certainly culture has changed and, um, lots of other things kind of come and go. Um, kids uh, desperately on the inside are looking for significance. They're looking for how to put the pieces together of their life. Those things have not changed. And the best way to do that is a long-term approach through relationships where we constantly are focusing on the person of Jesus over and over. That that hasn't changed. The, 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 those kind of straightforward 
um, fundamentals are, are the same. Uh, and we're, we're, that's what we've been doing and uh, leaving the results to the Lord, just like you said in your introduction. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Randy. Um, <laughs> my dad is what you know, we call an evangelist, um, mm. not, doesn't travel like he did. But the old, the old model um, was kind of hit and run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he always he always said that the hardest part was getting pastors in the local area to do the follow up because he recognized the need for that. But you know he would go into a, a city and preach three, four, five nights in a row and days as well. Something oftentimes visiting schools during the day. Um, but he recognized that that there was a, a gap if he just preached. You know, a bunch of people would come down the aisle. Uh, right. Confess Jesus is Lord. And then, you know, the evangelist leaves town and there's got to be some care for the souls and the follow up. And you just mentioned the relationship is, is a part of it. Um, is there maybe a how, how do we do that? I should say. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, we the church needs people like your dad and others who are called to do this like itinerant work to go around to proclaim the gospel and are especially gifted at that. The the kingdom of God absolutely needs that. My what I did my PhD on, which isn't really the focus of this, but I mean, it's a book out there too. Um, don't know if you want to read a, a thesis, but <laughs> um, was on the early evangelicals, uh, George Whitfield oh, yeah. and John Wesley and how they talked about conversion. And one of the things, it's kind of what you're talking about, Randy, was George Whitfield was called the great itinerant. I mean, he he really went around transatlantic celebrity. He was he preached to you know more people than you could ever imagine. Um, first Christian celebrity, all, all sorts of things that popped up with him. But one of the things that um, similar to what you're talking about, Randy, is he would go from town to town and had incredible response. God really gifted him in a mm-hmm. unique way. But then he would move on. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the things that the folks don't know is, um, or might not know, is that, that this this evangelist George Whitfield, he was one of the first pioneers of the what what was actually called uh, Methodist uh, societies, where he would gather people in follow-up groups. So John Wesley became the person who's famous for that. And that's where you get Methodism, where, you know, it kind of in its original structure was structured around, you know, bands and classes and essentially like small group follow-up groups. And what we see, you know, in recent maybe century or even decades with the Billy Graham Association, other people that would Mm -hmm. say, look, these people are uniquely gifted to come in and proclaim the gospel in a unique way. But we really need to, um, you know, mobilize the local churches because there's going to be souls that be be cared for. So, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. The history of evangelism and evangelists has seen this need um, for caring for souls long term. And so. What, one of the things I really do like, um, uh, I was privileged to be asked to write this book, was it really this book is, my book is a follow-up of this other book called The Care of Souls, Cultivating a Pastor's Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, so many awards came out a couple of years ago um, from Harold Sinkfield. And uh, one of the things that I like about it is it's a, I don't know how old Hal is, but but he's a lot older than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he has just, you know, I think 50, 60 years of pastoral experience and what you see for that is a long-term approach to caring for souls um, over and over. And they said, what, could you think about that uh, in the in the scheme of evangelism? And so while there are uh, there is a time to to challenge people boldly with the gospel um, to respond, I think we are helped and, and to kind of your point, Randy, is if we think of it as a longer term process. Um, 
God has already been working in the lives of the people that we encounter. We come into a story that is already in motion. Like myself, you know, I work for Young Life. My focus typically is high school kids. There's a story that God has been writing in their life as a child, elementary school, middle school. I might bump into them in high school and Lord willing, I could share the gospel with them and see what God's been doing in their life. Maybe they respond, maybe they don't, maybe they already have, et cetera. But often I'm handing them off to a next season of their life. Um, And I have this longer term uh, approach, which I think a lot of us do, who have more of a pastoral mindset about evangelism, where we want to, we want to just be good pastors. We want to be good soul care, uh, carers, if I could, um, in the season that we're in. And it might be that the chapter that I am a part of in someone's life, um, or maybe I'll be in multiple chapters, has this this turning point in their life, like a conversion moment, or they accept Christ, or, you know, what's kind of kind of gets the attention of evangelism. Mm-hmm. But I want to broaden the the work of evangelism to be not only about maybe the initial announcement and call of the gospel, but the repeated announcement and call of the gospel. Mm. Let's let's re-announce the gospel because not only, certainly we're only regenerated once theologically speaking. Um, however, this, this call that Jesus is Lord and no one else is, that Jesus is King and he calls us into this, he's died for our sins, that he's risen from the dead, that we await, um, you know, a resurrection of our own, this repeat of the gospel that we get, you know, particularly in, in first Corinthians 15, uh, you know, I want to tell you, you know, I'm going to tell you what's of first importance when I came to you, this idea, we, I know I need to hear this again and again, if I need to hear the gospel again and again, that I'm forgiven, that I have a Lord, that Jesus is Lord about the future that awaits me. Man, I mean, that was great to hear it for the first time, but the pastoral caring of the souls in the scheme of evangelism is to keep saying that over Mm -hmm. and over Mm -hmm. and over. Um, where sometimes even evangelism and discipleship start to start to kind of become a similar task um, or uh, accomplish the task of evangelism actually helps disciple people, if Mm -hmm. you will. I don't know if, you know, that that makes sense. Yeah, well, it it does. And, and, you know, you you allude to Paul in Corinthians, and he was writing not to a secular audience. He was writing to the church. Indeed, you know? yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you're 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 on good standing when you when you make that point. Um, are there any misconceptions about evangelism that we might need to kind of just set aside so we can do it better? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, oh gosh, so many of them. I mean, one that that comes to mind would be that. Um, when you don't see results quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think that, w- let me pause before I get back to evangelism. When I think of prayer sometimes, I, I don't know where I saw this. I didn't grow up a Christian, but somewhere in my head, I think, oh, we need to pray. And I picture one of those precious moments, figurine dolls, like on, <laughs> yeah. on their knees with their oh, yeah, hands those. grasped. <laughs> yeah. And it's beautiful. And and there are times when I pray like that, you know, and there are te- times when some of us have are driven to our knees and we have that solemn moment, nothing else is going on. And, and we think, we close our eyes and think, that's prayer. When we think of evangelism, I think many of us imagine either an evangelist um, giving an altar call and someone stepping forward, raising their hand, that sort of thing, or perhaps a conversation with maybe a tract or something and saying, you know, where, where you stand on this and would you like to pray with me to receive Christ? And there are those moments, just like with prayer, there are those moments that are the precious moments uh, and figurines. But what I think a lot of us, as far as misconceptions go, is uh, we think that is the only sort of response and we don't kind of hunker down. 
or we get disappointed if there is not a quick response. Hmm. You know, we, yeah. we, we finally muster up the courage to um, share our faith. Maybe we finally muster up the courage to say, where do you stand with Christ? Something like that. I mean, it takes a lot of courage, I'm, I'm gonna admit, you know, to, to say something like that. And if, if that doesn't go well, or maybe, you know, it's only a short conversation or, or maybe one conversation, you go, I might need to back off from this. It didn't work yeah. or it, it needs time or something like that. But I think the idea of like um, watering, you know, uh, uh, Paul planted, Apollos watered, this idea of like evangelism, little by little, let's return to this. You know, like I got my summer here in Phoenix, you know, my grass is dying like nothing else because it's so hot out. But you know what I got? I got this timer, you know, and it goes off. I don't even think about it. Um, and I think evangelism, if we're more committed to a longer term approach, um, that we might be not as discouraged if we don't see results. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, yeah. that would be one thing I would say is a misconception is, is it's not just kind of a, a one and done thing. Um, often it, it's yeah. a whole bunch of times thing. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that that is perhaps what discourages people, uh, mm. especially if you're out kind of cold calling in a sense, you know, you're, you're in front of a bunch of people who didn't come to you for anything, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think people that are doing maybe some straight ministry, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. And that's, that's a tough one. Uh, nobody wants to knock on doors anymore except Jehovah's witnesses, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but there are ways to do it. And I think technology obviously opens up a lot of doors and we should walk through all of them. Um, I, another thing that I think is a hindrance, uh, is this idea of an evangelist, this Billy Graham, this great speaker, you know? Sure. Um, I, I, I've never tried to be my dad, uh, even on television. You know, I'm not. I, I don't, I, I can't rile up an audience, you know? I can't, I can't move them emotionally the way my dad can. Uh, and that has been a little bit of a long process, especially as I've been, you know, kind of taking his seat on television and doing interviews. I've mm -hmm. really had to go, okay, God, I, I need to learn from you. Yes, I can learn some good things from my dad, but I can't. I can't be him, and I, and I don't right. want to be because I would be a fraud, right? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, especially young new people that want to evangelize, they try to imitate, mm -hmm. um, and and they don't necessarily cultivate the skills that God has given them, which could be completely unique from the person they're trying to imitate. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, when we think of evangelism, are there any particular kind of skill sets that we could cultivate that you think would make us better evangelists? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and really quick, on your point, Randy, you know, I, I didn't grow up Christian, I came to faith under some really wonderful um, you know, men to disciple me and things like that. And for a long time, I did um, want to just imitate them and have the same type of approach. and. Mm -hmm. Um, one person in particular who I love and deeply respect, a lifelong mentor, just had a lot of response. He, in fact, he was um, all sorts of skills, but including he's pretty emotional and people mm. really resonated with that. Yeah, I and <laughs> I found myself wanting to become more emotional, you know, right, like right. put some Tabasco in the, you know, or something in the eye to maybe have some tears. And as it turns out, I'm just kind of not wired that way. I'm more of a steady Eddie kind of a guy. <laughs> And at first I was disappointed because people don't really respond to a steady any kind of guy <laughs> as much as a crier. Um, and like you said, I, I didn't, it wasn't, it wouldn't be, you know, it just isn't me. And so I tried to figure out and trust God with the way that God put me together. So anyway, I'm Randy, I'm, well, I'm with you on that. You know, <laughs> and here's, here's the thing I did realize is that emotional people respond to emotional people. Oh, right. Yeah. But the, 
the, the less, you know, the, the, I don't know if steady is the right word, but you know what I mean? Guys like you may not respond to my dad as well. Um, mm. cause Lord knows I didn't, <laughs> growing yeah. up, you know, <laughs> but it, you know, the people that influenced me were probably the people that would influence you, uh, mm. someone like a Jack Hayford, um, mm-hmm. you know, someone who would help me understand. Cause my, my thing was, I didn't need to feel, I need to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as possible. And I know I don't understand everything, but I, I th- to my point with all of that really is that I do think God gives us different skills for different reasons so that we can reach mm-hmm. different people. It's the same reason different right. churches have different styles. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think God is a God of style. So you, we got cowboy churches out here in Texas. I, well, we got them here in Phoenix too, you, right? You gotta, up the road. <laughs> right. And, and to, to me, I kind of chuckle at that, but if that's your culture, you're going to relate to that. You know, some people love hymns and they love liturgy. and That's what mm. reaches them. Others like me, you know, I like the contemporary worship. I don't mind the, the fake smoke on stage and the lights and the loud music. I kind of like it, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's not about style. It's about using what God has given us to, to reach people. And it doesn't, it won't reach necessarily everyone, but it'll reach someone. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. We need a team of people. I mean, yeah. I greatly admire and love my mentors, like the one I'm speaking of. Um, lifelong influence on me. However, we're a team, and we, you know, play different roles. I mean, I do have. To, you asked about skills, or I, I, I two came to mind. Yeah. The first one would be anyone can develop the skill of delivering the gospel accurately. Hmm. In fact, that's really what comes down to uh, an evangelist. Anyone can kind of get that that straight. And it's really quite simple. It's that Jesus is Lord. Now, you know, like obviously there's a lot to unpack there, but Jesus is at the center of the gospel. Nothing else, not human happiness, not having your life get better, um, you know, not making broad promises about, you know, fixing your problems. That's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus is Lord Mm. kind of. And and when we try to add more to that, we are diluting or even or, or kind of polluting the the message. So one thing, uh, a skill would be to really understand and, and, and double down, even if it doesn't sound as exciting, um, because because that's not what we're here to promise. We're not <laughs> we're here to make promises. It's the Lord. It's the work of the spirit that will do that. Would So one skill would just be to really kind of get a, a, a solid handle on the gospel. Now you can get that in lots of places. I, I talk about, you know, the history of gospel proclamation. It's kind of as a, you know, a PhD in, in systematic theology, church history. That's my specialty is about the way that people have talked about the gospel through church history, but you don't have to get it from me. It, and it also isn't that complicated. You don't need to go to all the, all these classes and write all, you know, be, be a scholar. It's very simple. Jesus is Lord. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what it means to recognize that he is the Lord of life and the creator of the world. So the first skill would be to just really have a solid understanding of the gospel. Mm-hmm. The second skill would, and this is where I think that the care of souls um, aspect that maybe in other places, and there are some other books on this, but I, uh, the skill that anyone can 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 sharpen, the skill that is available to anyone, no matter what your gifting or place in life is, is to listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Often when we imagine evangelist, I think we we see someone maybe with a microphone, yep. or maybe they're, you know, they're the one that is talking the most. And I think that, the most underdeveloped skill in evangelism is listening. The problem with that is that you can't, you can't scale that. 
you can only listen to one person <laughs> at a time. You can scale speaking to many people, yeah. to you know, one or even to a million people at once. That's very scalable. Listening is incredibly inefficient. Uh, and you have to have a relationship and you have to sit there and, and take it in. It's, I mean, people pay lots of money, um, as have I, to have someone listen to me for an hour. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I do. So, um, but why, why is it? It's really a difficult skill to develop. And so I think this, and, and I talk about how, how to listen and um, what we're listening for. One of the, the analogies I actually picked up from um, Harold in this book um, Kara Souls and, and his follow-up book. I'm not here to, I mean, but Christ and Calamity. I mean, it's just a follow-up on the Kara Souls um, in the midst of, he wrote it during the COVID when we're all locked down. But the idea, the ancient idea of that a doctor needs to listen to their patient in order to prescribe the right next step. Mm. And so the analogy that I really love that, that Hal has introduced me to and I also include in the book is the idea of a stethoscope. So um, we would, none of us would, would, would expect that we have a doctor's appointment. We walk in and before we say one word, the doctor prescribes us some sort of solution or medicine or next step. We'd say, what are you doing? You know, yeah. you, what you need to do is you probably need to listen. You might need to, you know, like me, example, a stethoscope. Why don't you listen to the heart? Yeah. You know, maybe the lungs, yeah. take some breaths, ask some follow-up questions, good. you know, and, and maybe I have a follow-up appointment. <laughs> this idea of listening and then and then prescribing rather than just kind of blast it, it's it's this that's why it's a pastoral task it, it happens in small groups it happens in one-on-one -on -one, it happens through listening and so so yeah obviously the first skill would be to make sure that we understand the gospel but the second skill the underdeveloped skill in evangelism certainly is listening um and it's inefficient it's slow and it's really difficult to do which is uh Good news if you don't think of yourself as a speaker, you know, Indeed. you can be a listener because we need lots of those. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, if you've done any of the teledoc and, and during COVID, it seems like we all did, right? I got a lot, I get a lot of ads for it. I can, I know that. <laughs> so I, I've, I've, I've done one of those and you have like this Zoom meeting and you answer the same questions you would when you walk in, they give you a little form, right? And then, mm -hmm. uh, and then the nurse pops out and then maybe a doctor pops on and asks you two questions. And then prescribe something, and you're like, "That felt wrong." <laughs> you know, like, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I trust that. But not to knock tell mm -hmm. dog, I get it. Sometimes it works, but yeah, I think Wait, we can. Even, we, even when I take my car in to get serviced, I mean, they're not just like blindly putting in a new oil filter, right? I mean, they're taking a peek at what's going on. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's that's good. I actually like that. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of wisdom in that. All right, this is the book, Evangelism for the Care of Souls. Uh, and you're going to have to tell the author of the, all the other books that you keep holding up, Hal. Yep, yep. Hal, uh, Harold Sankbeel. Yeah, I mean, for those of your viewers that can see it up here. But yep. I think this S -S -E one, like Christianity of the Year, uh, Christianity, of the, uh, Christianity Today, Book of the Year, okay. all the other ones, the, the kind of, you know, the well-known book, uh, I think it, 2000. 18, 19, well, something like that. That's just for oh, yeah. all the people that are watching that are like footnote nerds. They're like, he keeps talking about oh, these. Yeah. What the are the care you know, of you, souls? You're teasing them a little bit. So, okay. So now you can't recommend it enough. I mean, get to my book eventually, but read, read that book first. Honestly, <laughs> it's so much, I'm just going to say it. I'm, I shouldn't say it, but anyway, start with that. <laughs> no, no. Or, I just, or if my book makes you interested, I, go to the one. So, so people are like, who, who is he talking about? So I just want to give people all the information for those that are like, I want to, I want to feed on this a little bit. So, oh, but back to your, you. back yeah. to the evangelism for the care of souls, um, which is available now. Um, and you can go to SeanMcGeever.com if you want, by the way, I'll put that up there. Uh, and you, you can link to all that kind of stuff. So this is just resources. We're not, I don't, 
you know, if I got a commission on all the books that I did interviews on, I, I might be a wealthy man. But I don't know. This is all just information for people watching to help you grow spiritually. So in that book, you talk about uh, your, your sort of framework is announcements. Uh, mm-hmm. And, That's you right. know, you, you talk about announcing Jesus. You talk about the catalyst, the context, the content, the cadence. Uh, and we don't have time to get to all of those. But but pull out one of those strong points that you that people need to understand to become better at evangelism and caring for souls. Yeah. 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 So you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. The, the, the chapter titles, the, Mm. the, the catalyst of announcing, um, Jesus, which is, is life. One thing that I might throw in there along those lines, like what is it we think of uh, catalytic events? What is it the spark that often leads someone to come into faith, this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And I, actually, I wanna caution people a little bit about that. One one phrase that I use in there, and I don't mean to say this in a, you know, I hope it doesn't land, you know, in a bad way with some of your listeners and viewers, is that we can be overzealous sometimes with with um, what I call like evangelistic ambulance chasers. So, <laughs> so we think when someone's really in the dumps and it's all hit the fan and, you know, that kind of thing happens. Some of us, I think with the best of intentions, want to run in and say, you know, if you aren't a Christian, this is the key moment to mm-hmm. turn to Christ when you're at your lowest. Mm-hmm. And it could be, of course, the, the gospel is good news all the time and at that time. So I'm not going to take that away. Um, however, I want to guard us um, pastorally to not only look at that like an ambulance chaser. Oh, we got to jump in and, and, and just go in there. Because if we do that evangelistically, it might, and, and especially if we only do it then, yeah. it might have give us the sense, or it might give the people that we're evangelizing a sense that, that the gospel is a Band-Aid, that the gospel is merely just another thing in my life that could make me happy when I'm not happy, or that when I'm in the dumps that it could get me out of. And then they'll just run on to the next thing. So, of course, when someone does hit those low moments, the gospel is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But 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 that when I talk about the cadence, like when we, when we come in um, uh, or the catalyst, the catalyst for it, um, I'd say um, be consistent, be consistent. And if people, you know, only see you come in to talk about Jesus when their life is 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 not going well, um, you're communicating something to them hmm. uh, about what the gospel is, yeah. which which is not uh, only about fixing problems. It's about that Jesus is Lord and that we are not. I, I think you could possibly also make them feel like you're taking advantage of them. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, no. yeah and that's right. You, you have that phrase uh, when you do talk about the cadence of urgent patience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's interesting. I'd like to hear a little more about what you mean by that. Uh, because those two don't quite always go together. <laughs> if something's mm, urgent, you yeah. don't want to be patient. Right. Yeah, maybe in one way, as I think of it right now, the way I might talk about urgent patience is when I'm listening to someone and, and you know, my heart, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, I'm an evangelist. In the back of my head is um, an urgency as if the next word on my mouth wants to be Jesus. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it kind of, you know, it like wants to blurt out of me. Um, and there are people who that's so natural. I'm, I, I mean, I, there are some saints that it's, they just can't stop talking about Jesus. I, I talk about a lot of things. Um, that's just not my normal routine. Um, but in my head and in my heart and the Holy Spirit is prompting me going, 
Jesus is what I want to tell you. Jesus is what I want to tell you. Sometimes that requires self-control um, because it, I need to be patient. Like with the, with the listening, one of the uh, things that I uh, have found is that often the best evangelistic opportunities or even pastoral opportunities lie in the second and third follow-up question. Mm-hmm. So many people, you know, aren't really listening. They're just preparing to speak. Yeah. You know, like this happens when we, when we do like a prayer time or prayer circle, you know, it goes around and it's your turn to pray. And, and then, I don't know, I, I've certainly been in a situation go, oh, did someone actually already pray for that? You know, I wasn't really listening. <laughs> I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to say. So what I found evangelistically is, is, is ask, two or three follow-up questions. One of the best evangelists I knew in, in my circles was um, just really loved and sought out by people. And I asked her, I said, you know, how'd you become that kind of person? You're such a great conversationalist. Everyone wants to talk to you. And she said, you know, my dad taught me from as a child that whenever someone said something, I asked, I needed to ask at least two more questions out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I always developed the skill. Mm-hmm. So if someone said something, um, tell me more about this. Someone said something, that's really interesting. Why do you like that? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that the, the, the urgent, um, uh, or what's the patient, what's the phrase? You got it right. Urgent patience. <laughs> the urgent patience um, is, is when you, you need to kind of wait for the right moment. Right. And so obviously right. we know we want to turn the conversation to the Lord. We want to turn the conversation to, you know, our sin, the cross, forgiveness, all that. And so those are the next words on our lips. However, we need to find the right timing. And often that comes through just being a good friend, long-term approach, mm-hmm. asking follow-up questions. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that well, sort of... And, and Jesus did that too. He didn't necessarily mm-hmm. come out of the chute telling them what he was going to tell them. He would tell a story, you yeah. know, give a parable, something they could relate to. Uh, maybe right. have a meal. Jesus ate a lot in the Bible. There's a lot of meals in the Bible. Uh, so... I think to your point, um, modeling Christ is um, an urgency of message, but also a patience and and allowing a relationship to build uh, and to listen. Really good. And and, well, there's a lot of other good points in there that um, people just have to pick up the book to get to. Anything you want to add before I let you go? I tell you what, let me show people uh, your website. This is SeanMcGeever.com. So you know you're in the right place. PhD. So as, as an adjunct faculty, does, is that the same thing as a professor? I just, it, it, um, you know, technically speaking, no. Okay. You know, adjunct is a part-time. Um, professor is a title uh, oh. that you would receive, like a job title. Uh, it's typically re, uh, reserved for people who, you know, associate. There's di- different steps at different schools, but you might be associate professor and then professor. Okay. So it's a title that you earn. Um, and in the UK, where I went to school, it's even more, uh, uh, there's more levels to that. Uh, yeah. That's well, funny. I'm glad you're going through all that. I'm not, I don't have any letters oh. after my name because I haven't earned any. <laughs> but that's I, I, I usually respond to like, hey, you. <laughs> right. Like that. you know, I mean, that's, that's the most, most normal. Humility response. is a good trait. So I appreciate that. All right. Anything you want to add before I let you go? I appreciate your time and insight. No, I just, you know, for your listeners and people out there, um, thank you. You know, I think that while I do admire these these people who are gifted to preach to and evangelize, you know, hundreds, like it sounds like your dad, mm. thousands, thousands, maybe millions of people. Mm. Praise God for those people. Really, on a large scale, it's going to be through individual conversations, through relationships. And so um, just thankful for how God works through everyone who's watching, everyone who's listening. Mm. You are an evangelist. Yes. And God is going to work 
primarily through the slow, patient work of you knowing people long-term. So praise God in advance for how God's going to work through you. Yep. All right. Did you hear that phrase? He just said individual relationships. That means you can do this. It means you have a role in it and you have a very important one. It may not be as visible as other people, but God sees it. So you can care for souls. You can be an evangelist. We're all called to it. There's some encouragement for you. If you want to encourage someone else, hit that share button. And if you, if you have not liked or followed or subscribed, please do that. We'll have more great conversations here to lift you up, encourage you, maybe instruct you a little bit. And we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. I love you.